Same results, but a new formula for the Indiana Pacers who pick up win number five on the season over the Utah Jazz. But it was a very balanced attack and a much different trio of guys getting it done. We'll break down how the Pacers got it done. Benedict Matherin's big night and Pacers Bucks all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, I'm not as stuffy. My voice is back. The Pacers beat another team by double digits, and we're going to talk about it. Pacers crush the Jazz. Big fourth quarter to get it done. 134 118. Don't look now, but the Pacers keep scoring a lot of points and keep conceding a lot. Their defense definitely needs some work. We'll talk about the win today, how the Pacers got it done different than some of their recent games. Uh, We'll talk about Ben Matherin's big night, fitting timing after yesterday's show. Uh, And I was on setting the pace with Alex Golden, also talking about Matherin. And we'll talk Pacers-Bucks, tonight's opponent for the Pacers, one of the best teams in the East, a big test for the Pacers. But we must start. With the victory, impressive for the Pacers. Like I said, 134-118 over the Jazz. This one felt way different than a lot of the other Pacers victories, though. And that's because at halftime, Tyrese Halliburton had zero points at halftime for Tyrese Halliburton. Really strange game. And it's not because he wasn't effective. I would argue the exact opposite, actually. Halliburton had seven assists at halftime. The Pacers were doing just fine in his minutes. He only took two shots. That's where this game took on a different life form than other Pacers games this season. Halliburton was getting trapped, and they were throwing everybody at him when he would drive into the paint and bending their defense in a way to try to stop him. And I would argue that sometimes that can be a smart strategy. The problem is Utah has some giant guys and some tiny guys and not a lot of the wing-sized guys, so it was really hard for them to kind of switch all the time. And so what happened is this happened a ton in the first half. They would try to switch plays involving Miles Turner. And so John Collins would end up on Halliburton, and they would try to send two and get the ball out of his hands. And the Pacers would say, hey, we'll just throw the ball to Miles Turner. And so in the first half, while Halliburton can't get going because he's being swarmed, Miles Turner makes seven of his 10 shots and gets fouled eight times, or gets fouled four times, I suppose, and gets to the line eight times and has 20 points in the first half, right? He was awesome to open this game. Paired it with four rebounds, two of them on the offensive glass, right? He was so good at punishing those switches. And Obi Toppin was doing a good job when he had the switch, too, of moving the ball and just continue to be a strong offensive player. That even though the Jazz were throwing a new game plan at Halliburton that we've seen for most of this season, the Pacers were still able to carve it up and score enough. They scored 61, uh, 67, excuse me, in the first half. They had 61 for a while, and then Nemhart had a nice close. Um, 67 first half points even though Halliburton did not score a single point. And that's where this game sort of diverted to me from your typical Pacers game. I've talked a lot about, and it's been a big topic among this uh, people talking about this team, is like, who's going to be the guy that can be the number two? Does it actually matter? My argument has been it doesn't matter who specifically it is as long as it's someone. Well, in this game, it was three someones, right? Three guys were actually the leaders for the Pacers offensively, and they weren't really Halliburton. Now, Halliburton was the reason that those guys could be the three, the attention he was getting, the way that he was still initiating stuff was the reason the other three guys could have big games. But Turner was one of them, right? In the first half, he had those 20 points. He only finished with 22 
the Jazz really adjusted to what Miles was doing. He only took two shots in the second half, right? They clearly were like, okay, this isn't working. Let's do something else. But they let Halliburton do his thing. Halliburton takes 10 shots in the second half and scores 16 points and has a brilliant game. He had 16, 13, and 6 after a silent first half. And I mean silent, not like bad. I mean silent, like silent in terms of Halliburton highlights or big, you know, flashy plays. So that was really a fantastic bit of work by the Pacers, who have become a very solid team at adjusting, right? That's something I've talked about as a strength of theirs. And you can really see that when they have, you know, poor starts and then great, better second quarters, great third quarter. They ramp it up because they're good at reading the game and adjusting to what's needed. Halberton's very good at that himself. You saw that in this game. Turner and Halberton's inverted stat lines would be the face of it to me. But the other two guys who stepped up and did well and were able to kind of find the cracks in the Jazz schemes were Aaron Neesmith and Ben Matherin. Neesmith, 24 points quietly. He kind of spread them all out, right? It didn't feel like he had any big outbursts or anything like that. In fact, he had exactly 12 in both halves, which is exactly the best way to do something like that, right? Like six points in a quarter doesn't sound like a crazy game, right? But 24 points in a game sounds like a nice scoring outing, right? Especially for someone like Neesmith. And so he just would get a bucket here, get a bucket there, make a play happen, get to the foul line here, and slowly but surely over the course of the game... That became very valuable. 9 of 13 for Neesmith. He hit four threes. His defense was once again invaluable. Plus 14 for Aaron Neesmith. And against a team like the Jazz, whose wing-sized players are few and far between in their current iteration, that is a good kind of matchup for him, right? They're starting five for the Jazz today. They mix things up. I guess I should have contextualized that earlier. Walker Kessler was out for them. So they started marking at the five, although I guess I would argue John Collins was the five. They started John Collins at the five, marking at the four, Ochag Baji at the three, Jordan Clarkson at the two, and Keontae George at the one. And then their bench. So, first of all, Clarkson and George are guards. Abaji is kind of a wing. And then Collins and Markin are definitely bigs. Olenek was off the bench. He played a lot. He's a big. Collins, Sexton, and Horton Tucker played a lot off the bench. They're guards. So, Infantecchio is wing-ish, although I'd call him more big. And Chris Dunn's certainly a guard. They don't have a lot of that tweener size, right? They're kind of reminiscent of past Pacers teams in that way. So, that really allowed Aaron Neesmith to either have like a strength and size advantage over his matchup, right? He had a lot of really powerful drives in this game. Or he could space against the slower guy, and they switched, and the Jazz were switching a lot. That helped Aaron Neesmith have a very nice game against this Utah team. They switched a lot. I think that's smart for their team, given the structure they have and that I just described. But the Pacers did a good job punishing it, right, especially in the bench. Buddy Heald had a really, really off night, like couldn't make anything off night. And the rest of the bench, and the bench was still an overwhelming positive because they were keeping the ball moving and defending pretty well. The Nemhard plus Neesmith minutes continue to be fantastic um, for the offense. Matherin was the other guy who stepped up in the scoring department. I'm not going to talk about him right this second because the whole second segment is going to be about his game, which Carlisle coined the best game of Matherin's two-year career. Um, but the other two guys that deserve a shout here as being important for kind of cracking the Jazz code, Andrew Nemhard, who had a lot of very steady shots in this game, that little push shot he has from just inside the elbow was falling. In fact, all of his shots were falling. He did not miss in this game, four for four from the field, seven assists, zero turnovers. That is a textbook backup point guard game for Andrew Nemhard. He moved the ball well. He was awesome on defense in this game, I thought. He had a really, really good game. And Jalen Smith continues to be very impactful. Jalen Smith... 
plays more minutes than Miles Turner. Not that it really matters. Uh, there's a back-to-back. I think that played a part in this. And Jalen Smith played fantastic basketball in this game. So active on defense, making his shots. When he has 16 points and doesn't even attempt the three, that tells you a lot about how Jalen Smith was attacking the defense. He was getting to his spots inside. He was able to finish. He also, like Turner, benefited from the switching. Where he was like, oh, there's a small guy on me. I'm going to punish this. Pacers went inside of those in those moments, and they had that advantage. And it was smart to do that, right? Smith also two steals and a block. So the bench, besides Buddy Heald, who had an off shooting night, he got open for 12 threes. Eh, there were a couple of ones. He got open for like nine or 10 threes. So like, that's good, but he didn't make them. Either way, the bench was awesome, awesome, awesome in this game. That's been a theme for the Pacers in a lot of their wins. The Halliburton-Turner connection flip-flopped in positive ways. Bruce Brown was a huge energy guy in the second half. Obi Toppin did his thing. Whole team effort in the win. And Matherin was the one who put it all together. We're going to talk a ton about Ben Matherin in the second segment for the second day in a row. But the highlight stat to me for the Pacers to kind of illustrate what the Jazz were trying to do that wasn't working, 74 points in the paint for the Pacers today. They could drive to the basket and score when they wanted. They could throw it into the switches and score when they wanted. So even though the Pacers struggled to defend and this game was kind of more of a back-and-forth game than it probably should have been, the Jazz were up 10 in the first quarter and took a lead in every quarter of the game. The Pacers really put it away down the stretch, showed they were the more superior team, and got it done. Five and three now are the Pacers. Had they found a way to close out the Hornets, they'd be sitting six and two. Pretty solid start for this Pacers team with some tough opponents coming up. We'll talk about those opponents in the third segment. Now, though, we have to talk about the night Ben Matherin just had, which, again, Rick Carlisle just coined the best game of Ben Matherin's career. Before we talk about that, though, we're going to talk about eBay Motors for a little bit here. eBay Motors, our partners, have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, one of the best on the network here, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're preparing for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players who are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. One guy I would like to highlight because he had a good week playing against the Pacers, is Brandon Miller. Obviously, he had the infamous play running through Aaron Neesmith, and that led to a technical foul and led to much chagrin uh, from Pacers fans on the internet. But Miller played a solid game, and he's having a solid start for the Charlotte Hornets. He should be starting for the rest of the week for them, while Terry Rozier, who got hurt against the Pacers, recovers from his groin injury. Brandon Miller becomes much more interesting for fantasy teams. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. You've got to check it out. Think about your dream ride or a memory of a car you loved. Or even, do you remember a time when you had to fix the car to keep it running? I've had to do that many times myself. In fact, I probably need a tire rotation right now. Not that that's something I need to keep it running, but that's something I need. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it with eBay's guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you, as always. Breaking Lockdown Pacers, your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Jump on over to Lockdown Jazz. First of all, the boss man's there, David Locke. 
covering the Utah Jazz for Lockdown Jazz and as their radio voice. And second of all, hear the opponent's perspective. Jazz not off to the start. They probably wanted this season. Only two wins for Utah. They still have some threatening pieces. I thought they'd be much better this year, as those of you who listen to my season prediction show know. So uh, I'm a little surprised, uh, but they have been banged up a little bit. Jordan Clarkson has not played as good as I thought he might. And it doesn't matter what I think. I am dumb and wrong a lot of the time. What I was not wrong about was Ben Matherin <laughs> talking about him yesterday. A uh, lot of chatter around him early in the season. His playing time, his point totals, his effectiveness. And I kind of thought it was all hooey. <laughs> in fact, if you listen to yesterday's show with Moise Osfar, we talked about it, right? And I said, you know, I think what's happening. Because before this game tonight, which again, we will talk about in great detail in just a moment, Matherin was shooting just over 40% from the field, very poorly from deep. In fact, basketball reference doesn't update until tomorrow. Before tonight, Matherin was shooting 40.6% from the field, 22.7% from deep, 11 points a game. Throughout the counting stats, right? Rick Carlisle doesn't care about that when he talks about Matherin. He talks about Ben Matherin being good because he's fitting in to the team construct and making plays that add to the team while still having the talent that Ben Matherin has. And Matherin has talked about what he needs to do to grow as that kind of player. The answer is have games like today, right? So in the end, Matherin finishes with 22 points on 18 shots, nine rebounds, four assists, and two steals. He made four of his seven threes. He had five offensive rebounds. It was making plays around the basket. The four assists is a key number for him, and he defended on the ball pretty well, and that all led to a plus 18. Plus 18, team high. What was not good is his team defense. That's still a problem. He did not get to the line, which is a Matherin thing, although I think he probably got fouled twice that was not called. Doesn't matter what I think about fouls. What matters is this is the kind of game the Pacers want him to play. Right? He is finding his ways to score within the offense. His seven threes, were, two of them were off the dribble. I think he hadn't made an off the dribble three all season before this game. All the rest, catch, in rhythm, I'm open, shot. 18 shot attempts were all found within the offense. Catch, I'm dribbling around the screen, I'm looking to score. Four assists. He's he, What he's really gotten better at for assists to me is, especially in a game like this, you saw it, this is where he got a lot of his assists during the season is when he recognizes a switch, he recognizes it way faster. So he knows there's a mismatch in the post. His entry passes have gotten a lot better. He had a couple of those today. And of course, nine rebounds looks great. Five of them in the offensive glass. So one board away from a double-double. That's kind of everything that Matherin can be good at. He's a good rebounding guard. He's, he's a streaky shooter, but can be a good shooter. And he can pass a lot better now. And he can punish defenses with his finishing inside. I never would have expected Matherin's first 20-point game this season to come on a night where he did not attempt a free throw. And so the fact that he did have such an impressive game like this kind of shows what he's building towards. This is what they want him to be. And if you listen to yesterday's show, what we talked about with him is the what's going to happen or what the Pacers hope happens, and I think they're trending towards this being reality, is what Matherin was last year and what they need him to be this year are going to merge slowly. It's a big shift, right? He's talked about it. Other players have talked about it. Miles Turner was awesome talking about this after the game. Speaking of Miles Turner, first of all, one, uh, I caught up with him at a charity event yesterday. That whole video is on the Lockdown Pacers YouTube. If you'd like to watch four minutes of an exclusive Miles Turner interview, two, Turner's interview post-game talking about Matherin was one of the more illuminating conversations about him from any player, I think, on the team, in a good way, um, if you'd like more insight into this. But Turner was talking about how you know, Mather and the score and distributor are kind of different players, and the Pacers are trying to make them the same player, 
right? Where it's very natural to do whatever the right decision is for him between being Ben Matherin, being aggressive, getting to the rim, drawing a foul. Heck yeah, that's a great play. That's an important thing to do versus, oh, here comes two defenders and my shooter's open in the corner. Boom, making that pass. Turner's been on the receiving end of a few of those this season, right? And he's definitely getting better at that, but it's not what something that he was thought to be good at last year. Matherin wants to be great. Right? He's talked about it every turn. So what was happening early in this season is Matherin was very focused on the improvement of the weaknesses part of his game, which is smart. That's the long-term smart thing for the Pacers to do, right? It, it might be clunky when he's thinking a lot in games, but that's important because eventually he thinks it through faster and faster until it's immediate or until something else makes a pattern obvious to him or until it's a quicker decision in general. And so my theory was, one. well, I really had two. One was that he was playing fine and his shots just weren't going in at all. <laughs> and that's truly the case. You can look at the percentages and say that. Of course, he's going to look better in a game when he shoots this well, right? But nine rebounds and four assists is still a good game for Matherin, even if the shots weren't necessarily falling. In fact, nine rebounds is his career high. <laughs> Five, uh, Four assists is one behind his season high. Way his season high in rebounds. Career high in offensive rebounds tonight, right? All that stuff is still good, regardless of the rest of the stuff Ben Matherin does. But the shot falling was a big one to me. I never felt like his shot selection was awful, right? So eventually they're going to go in. He's a better scorer than he showed in the first seven games this season. But part two was eventually the game's going to merge where when he decides what he needs to do and where he needs to go and when he'll get better at that and better at that. And then all of a sudden it won't be so he won't have to think as much. He'll be able to score and pass and make the right decision when he needs to and be a plus impact player when he's on the floor and when it's important to the Pacers. Well, that happened tonight, right? All of that happened today. He played in a way where he was additive to the Pacers offense. He got the shots he wanted and made them, made half of them. Uh, and, and he wasn't, you know, wasn't thinking, made his, got his teammates involved and getting in on the glass, just just a nice added bonus. And his on-ball defense was good too. His team, again, his team defense had some rough moments today. But I, I, this isn't about the weaknesses part of this. This is about that this game was played in a way that the Pacers hope he can play. Matherin is working to play this way. He felt very good about his performance after the game. And Rick Carlisle said, again, I'll say it again, that that was the best game he thinks Benedict Matherin's played in his whole career. Right. And so I think that line says what the thinking is that this is how they hope he plays and he 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 continues to hope to play 20 points is something he can do but but the point total isn't the important part it's that he continues to fit into what they're doing from a team offense perspective and that that helps the team win now it helps that if the Pacers offense is totally stuck in the mud he can be an iso score at the end of the clock a la tj warren for example or he can get them a bucket in, in a weird arrhythmic game. That is all still very important scoring skills. It's not that that should be taken away from Ben Matherin's game. He should be doing a lot of that. He's very good at that. He just also needs to be doing a lot of stuff he did in this game to stay on the floor and to make the Pacers the best they can possibly be this year and beyond. So you get two straight days of Ben Matherin long segments, but well-deserved, both for the buzz about the start of his season, which I thought was totally overblown. As I said yesterday, I thought he was doing exactly what they wanted in a good way, even though the shots weren't going in. And then also because today he did exactly what they wanted and the shots went in and he had one of the best games he's ever played. I think we're going to see more of these. I don't know if we'll see them every night for a while, but we'll see. He's certainly capable of doing it. He looked awesome in this game. 38 minutes could get him off the floor. Very good game for Ben Matherin and one that the Pacers will hope is repeated many times 
going forward. And the next chance he'll get to do it is tonight against the Pacers, Kryptonite, the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks in town for the first time this season. Giannis, the anti-Pacer in Indy. Can the Pacers get it done? What do you need to know about that game and the upcoming Pacers stretch? We're going to talk about that in our third segment today. Before we do so, though, got to talk to you guys about the wonderful people over at Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together on wins and losses, who starts and sits, and I'm thankful for that connection we have. And today, I want our chat to be a little more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? Bring on extended travel. Bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. You are covered, my friend. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or Revatio, excuse me, prescription. And this is possible because our friends at Jace Medical go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember, to use the promo code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer said this about Jace. I'm thankful for the service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with your supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember, use the promo code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your purchase at jasemedical.com. Code LOCKDOWN, $20 off. Thank you, as always, for making LOCKDOWN Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Check out LOCKDOWN Clippers. Loss again in the James Harden era. Oh, and two Pacers will take that as the potential owners of the Clippers' first-round pick next season. We will continue to monitor how the Clippers and the Thunder and the Rockets, who look kind of good, and the Jazz, who the Pacers just beat, are doing this season. Pacers-Bucks tonight. Bucks just played a back-to-back up in Detroit. Giannis gets ejected, so his minutes weren't super high. Bucks win by two. We'll see if Giannis plays on a back-to-back. They will be in Indy again this season. Dame with 34. Giannis gets ejected for a terrible taunting penalty. I know you don't care about my opinion on why Giannis got ejected or what's going on there. This game is a big test for the Pacers. In fact, the reason that I felt like this Jazz game was a little important and that Hornets game, if they could have it back, is too, is the Pacers' upcoming games. They next play the Bucks, obviously, tonight. And then they go to Philly for a regular season game against the top of the East. Philly beat Boston tonight. And then they play the Sixers again in an in-season tournament game. And then they go to Atlanta, or then they come home for the Magic and easier one. They go to Atlanta, who's good. Toronto, who's playing well. They've got some tougher games coming up. There's some winnable ones in there. But their next three are Milwaukee at Philly at Philly. Pacers currently sit five and three. Big tests, right? For the Pacers. And this could be a time for them to show that they are good, right? Beating the Cavs twice is is great, especially once with the Cavs fully healthy. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell all played. Cavs beat Pacers beat that team, right? They've already beaten a good enough team to show that, like, yeah, maybe they've had some easier teams, but they beat the teams in front of them. That's good. And last year they weren't always winning those games. So I think this next three-game stretch, like I said, Milwaukee, two Phillies is going to be a chance for the Pacers to kind of show, hey, even if they maybe lose all three, if they're competitive in them, that they are onto something and that they are a legitimately good team. They did play a good team, like an elite team in Boston, 
Tyrese Halliburton didn't play, but they got blasted, and they would have lost by 30 probably even if Halliburton did play, given how they did play. So I would say that they have not passed these tests so far, but it's also easy to shrug and say, hey, they didn't have their star player. That would have changed the game significantly. So we'll learn a lot, I think, from these next three Pacers games, which starts tonight with the Bucks, who are not playing well to me this season, and they're 5-2. and two. <laughs> That says a lot about their talent level, that they can do that. That they can stumble and look weird and clunky and not playing how everybody thought they might and still be this good. The reason, one, is that Dame is better than people gave him credit for, right? Entering tonight, he wasn't even shooting that well from the field. 34 in a win when they needed it most. Giannis, who also isn't playing that well, had 15 in very few minutes and is averaging 26 points a game. And I don't mean not playing that well like they're not good. I mean playing up to their standards. They switched their defensive scheme, so Brooke Lopez is or altered, I guess, is more accurate. So Brooke Lopez is playing more his way. That's going well. Jake Crowder has earned starting minutes for them. He can't miss, right? They have figured stuff out in a way that makes them very threatening. Dame changes everything for that team. The Pacers had no answers for Giannis before. They still don't. In fact, I was someone tweeted at me and said, who do you think guards Giannis tomorrow? And my first thought was, Oh, probably, probably Miles. Probably Miles Turner. And then I thought about Obi on Brooke Lopez. And that's probably that's probably just as bad as it would have been to put Obi on Zach Collins. And they put Obi on Wemby on Monday. But Wembenyama is much thinner <laughs> than Giannis. Uh, and it is at least a little bit bullyable in a way that Giannis isn't. Giannis can go through anybody. This is not an indictment on Obi. So I think they'll probably start topping on him. I don't know how well that's going to go. I don't know how many good answers the Pacers have. Their best option is probably the seven-inch height disadvantage that Aaron Neesmith's going to have. He can just use his low center gravity and strength to be a little bit of a pest, but I don't know that they have a good answer. Jairus Walker someday, but not today, not these days. So Jalen Smith maybe at times, but again, if Brooke Lopez is in there, that's tough. Maybe you see Smith plus Turner in this game if that's what it takes because they don't have a good answer. This is not an indictment on the Pacers roster. No one has a good answer for Giannis. It is a commentary on what he is and the struggles he's going to present the Pacers. And we're going to learn a lot about the new era of the Pacers and what they hope to do to slow him down. Sabonis was kind of a decent answer in the past. Dad Young was, but they've never really had one. They all, they've beaten Giannis once since 2018. And it was last season, and they shot the ball crazy well. And maybe they can do that again. But it, he has been a very, very tough matchup for them. Now, also last year what happened, they played the Bucks kind of tough for a game. That Drew Holiday went for 50. He defended like crazy. He scored a bunch of points. There were stories after the game about how good of a mentor he could be for Andrew Nemhard because he was fantastic on both ends of that game. And he's not on the Bucks anymore. It is now Damian Lillard, who is a better offensive player and a worse defensive player. So what does that mean? Well, it gives Tyrese Halbert more chances to keep the Pacers in it with the Bucs, right? Assuming he's guarded by Dame. Perhaps it goes differently. Chris Middleton didn't play for the Bucs tonight against the Pistons. But if it lets Halberton have an easier time, that's a win. That gives the Pacers a chance to create some offense and, and have a chance in this game. But it also means whoever guards him, presumably Bruce Brown, is going to be very taxed on the end of the floor. Dame is unbelievable. He has range 40 feet and in, basically. you got to be picking him up. So that that makes life easier for Giannis. That makes life easier. There's a reason Jay Crowder can't miss. So they're a really tough team, this Bucks team. And I think we'll learn a little bit about the Pacers and how they can do against them tonight. Bucks currently, keynotes, take a bunch of threes, eighth in the league, lead the league in free throw attempts. So they're going to try to get to the rim and draw fouls, and they're going to shoot from far away, and it's going to go well. And they don't pass a lot. They're low in assists. 
this season. So I think what they're going to do is they're going to get the matchup they want with the Pacers via switching, and they're going to attack it. And if that's what's going to happen, the Pacers have to be sharp with their help defense. They've got to get rebounds when they cause misses, and they cannot miss assignments in pick-and-roll defense, or they're just going to get ISO'd to death by a team with starts. It's going to be tough. I think the key guys are going to be the stars for the Pacers. I think Halliburton's going to be good, and I think they're going to need at least two guys to step up on the defensive end if they're going to win. We will see who plays for the Bucs. It is a back-to-back. I don't know how many they've had this season. It's not even a far travel back-to-back. The Detroit to Indiana flight is less than an hour, so we'll see if it even matters there. And you know we'll have coverage of this game tomorrow night, tonight for you listening. Uh here on Lockdown Pacers, breaking it all down, seeing how it goes, how it went, and if needed, more breakdowns on another player. Benedict Matherin getting the eyes of Lockdown Pacers today. Hope you guys really enjoyed today's show. I sure did. It was a fun game. Pacers looking good, and this team has been fun to talk about. We've learned a lot about this team in only eight games. We're almost at 10. Can you believe it? And tomorrow wraps up five home games in seven days. They are coming fast, (laughs) these games. It is unreal. And then next week, they play two games in the next, like, eight days. So it'll slow down quite a bit. But you know we'll have coverage of all of it here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. I am on Twitter, at Tony R. East, if I said something dumb. And this podcast is at Lockdown Pacers. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Comment down below about Ben Mather and what you thought of his game. Was it his best ever game? That's quite the take from Rick Carlisle. Also, you can listen to Pacers Bucks tonight on the Sirius XM radio app. You should give that a shot. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. Have a good one. We'll see you soon.